poker's legendary champions, next generation stars, and tireless ambassadors of the game, sharing their wisdom and guiding your journey to high achievement on the green felt. This is Philosophical Friday on Chasing Poker Greatness with your hosts, Brad Wilson and Duncan Palamortis. Welcome, 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 my friend, to another episode of the Chasing Poker Greatness podcast. As always, this is your host, the founder of ChasingPokerGreatness.com, Coach Brad Wilson. And today is Friday, which means it's a philosophical day. I am joined by Duncan Palamortis. Duncan, how are you doing fine, sir? I'm doing very well, good, sir. How's everything with you? How's life treating you? Life is treating me quite well. I I can't really complain. Very good. Pretty happy on a day-to-day basis. Um, I think uh, we, we, in the pre-call, we talked about how we were both lacking sleep. So yeah, just to get the yeah get get the listener pumped up for today's show. <laughs> we're both uh, sleep deprived um, and talking about a fairly abstract topic on top of being sleep deprived, which yeah it is always a recipe for great success. <laughs> um, Absolutely. So let's segue into the the topic of the day. What are we going to be diving into? Right. So there is something that has been uh, a lot on my mind recently, and that is the idea of a statement. I just want to throw it as a statement, the statement of, if I can do it, you can do it, right? And this is a statement that uh, um, a lot of self-help uh, people stand by, a lot of people, even if they don't admit it, they, they think think of it. And I just wanted us to explore, you know, where does a statement like that apply, uh, when it doesn't apply, how it, somebody can apply it or misapply it in, in poker, and in general, what are some of your thoughts? Okay, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. So uh, the first thing that I wanted to start with, just so we can set up a little bit of like a, a ground floor, so to speak, is... Um, how do you think typically people give advice? And to, to set up the question a little bit, I mean, I'm, I personally, like I can think of two big categories and you, you, you can tell me what you think about that. So like- Can we get one... like, you know, like a, a specific um, question as well? I think it, it would be quite helpful. Absolutely. Yes. So, right. So is it, what I'm, what I, what I'm trying to figure out, is it when people give advice to somebody, is it more like sharing war stories? Like, for example, uh, I became a good poker player because I tried A, B, and C, and it worked for me. Or is it more like looking for universal uh, advice? Something like saying, oh, you know what? All humans uh, have this tendency X. Therefore, because you're a human, you're going to have this tendency X. So the thing that I'm going to say apply not just to me, but apply to everybody who's going to listen. Like that could be, for example, something like, you know, GTO, right? I mean, math doesn't care about, you know, what your opinion is. If math says that one plus one equals two, then, you know, that specific uh, one plus one equals two for me, one plus one equals two for you, and so on and so forth. So how do you think people in general give advice? Is it more like a, a subjective way or is it more like an objective way? So in general, I would say more subjective. Mm-hmm. because we're human beings. And I think that mm-hmm. that's just sort of how we operate is through anecdotal stories. Mm-hmm. So I would say that in general, 
in people that, that that's the, the way that people tend to give advice. I think the better approach is the second approach, but probably with more precision and nuance. That's, that's very good. Actually, I'm, I'm very interested in that. So, so do you think the second approach is, is, is possible? In a poker sense? Uh, yes, in a poker, in general sense, in a poker sense, in yeah, in bo- both questions. I think that I must believe that it's possible, considering mm-hmm. how I um, train the wolves, how we construct strategies, how um, the courses that are for sale at chasingpokerinus.com are constructed based on data. Uh, I believe that, yeah, I, I must, <laughs> I, I must have that belief. Right. No, I, I guess the reason why I'm asking is because there is a little bit of a of a gray area there. Is it really objective advice or is it really subjective advice that actually works for a wide amount of people? Like with um, a really, really wide range. So again, like I, I would ask for, you know, a more specific question here. Like sure, what, yeah, what problem absolutely. are we trying to solve? And then like what question are we trying to right. answer? So the, the problem that we're trying to solve is uh, is something that has worked for, let's say, Alex, who's yeah. a wolf, right? Is the thing that works for Alex going to work for Bobby as well? That's essentially what I I'm see. trying to figure out. That's essentially the problem, right? So and it, it can it be generalized uh, or there are specific conditionals under which it, it, you know, it can be generalized? I mean, I think that it can <laughs> generally be generalized. Sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. In a lot of cases, and then I think that there are some cases where, you know, the you must problem solve and figure things out on your own based on principles that you've internalized through study and learning, um, and, and that would you know set apart Alex, who is the wolf, and, and then Bobby, who is the wreck. Right. I can mm-hmm. tell both of them like you should probably raise under the gun with aces, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they can both just do that. Right. But then like what happens after that, what happens downstream in the decision tree where they're managing multiple data points, trying to prioritize a specific one so that they can make good decisions. Um, there's a lot of subtlety and a lot of nuance there. And I don't think that in, in poker, I don't think that you can give answers cut and dry for mm-hmm. every single situation that you might encounter. And so, you know, we must be anchored into some thought process. Absolutely. And, and and this is something you and I agree on. Like There's no cutting dry answers. I guess there is a little bit of a deviation in our approach. Like, for example, um, I would uh, I would never suggest Bobby to raise with aces under the gun. But of course, I'm making an important assumption here, which I make it clear uh, in the book. I make the assumption that uh, uh, Bobby and Alex come from different places, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, Alex pro- prioritizes profitability over fun. Whereas Bobby does the opposite, prioritizes fun over profitability, right? Mm-hmm. So for someone who's looking to have a lot of fun, uh, like Bobby, I would suggest, you know, like they play a lot of hands, they play a lot of bad hands and they play them badly. And when I say, I suggest they play them badly, my goal is not necessarily for them to lose money, but my goal is to maximize the fun because that's what they're trying to have. Like if they were asking for advice on on what they were to do, right? Yeah, I so to, to poke, poke a hole in that, mm-hmm. I've yet to meet a poker player who goes to the card room and loses on a regular basis mm-hmm. that has fun every single session. That's a very good point. Even That's a- as they're losing, right? And I, I've played with billionaires and people with right. basically infinite right. money that it doesn't matter 
and they still feel dumb after losing 10 times in a row. They feel dumb when, you know, the game's nine handed, they get a VIP seat and skip the line and then lose $500 an hour um, every single session. And, and this is a very important nuance here. Actually, you're revealing two issues. Uh, the, the, the number one issue is that uh, fun and profitability can be at odds, right? Because here are the people who actually do not, like I will say the same thing that I've never, I'm yet to see a person who wants to have fun, who actually has fun by being tight, playing no hand all night. So you have the person who never has fun when they play hand no night, and then the person who never has fun when they're losing. Sure. But sometimes like these things are going to be at odds, right? I mean, sometimes that the cards are not going to be there. We've all been there. We've all been card dead. Like if you get, uh, you know, get dealt 9-3 all day, you just have to fold the 9-3. There's nothing else you can do. But the person who wants to have fun, I mean, they, they're going to have to, you know, be tested. So that's the number one uh, thing that, that that you're mentioning there. And also, but, but what you're saying that this very important hole that you're poking is that, again, we get into the, the relativity of things, right? We get to see that really where, where somebody is coming from it's going to be very important to decide which side we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna take on, and 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 I would argue that I agree with you hundred percent. Like people, they don't like it when they're losing, but people they don't like it when they're being tight. So how do we, again, hypothetically, not that anybody cares because again, most of we we think about uh, profitable players, but again, uh, in this hypothetical conversation we have, how would we resolve that issue? And I would say that in the end of the day. It would come uh, come down to how much more they value one or the other. So in the end, they will have to choose: is it going to be fun or is it going to be profitability? And if they tell me, you know what, Duncan, I had enough of losing, then absolutely I will suggest to them to raise with aces. But if they said, you know what, Duncan, I had I had enough of folding, then I will tell them, you know what, limp with your seven three suited under the gun. That's fine. I think there's like well, my approach would be that you you can bridge the gap and have two. Uh, at the same time, like you can have your cake and eat it too. I, I think right. that there's room for playing lots of hands right. and winning at the same time. And, and that's just by playing lots of hands quite well, right? Very good. And 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 just to, to be fair here, you're absolutely correct. Uh, what I said was just like mostly to, to, to emphasize a point, but you're absolutely correct that there is an advice that can actually bridge the gap. So I can usually what I start telling people is, okay, if you really, 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 really feel tired, you know what? You want to start limping a hand or like playing a hand, start with a button, you know, and start with the hands which are closer to, let's say, the 50% mark before you go down to the, let's say, bottom 10% of hands. Like before you start, you know, playing the hand like 7-3 that I mentioned for overemphasis, go ahead and start playing your like your 7-5 suited. Yeah, and if you're already playing that, go down to you know like your your seven four suited and so on. And I, I'm I'm actually of the belief that if you can VPIP lots of hands well, that in general your earn rate is higher than folks who VPIP very few hands, um, because especially like in live poker where there's lots of room to eke out profit against a bunch of players who are playing way below average. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I would agree with that 100%. And uh, so that, um, I guess, a second question, which I think you already partially answered, um, um, which side do you prefer when, when you're giving advice? Do you try to be as objective as possible or are you trying to, to share your work stories, which I think you partially answered, but just for the listener? It depends on the, the topic, right? Like mm -hmm. I think when there's objective data, 
I mm-hmm. do my best to share that when, when it comes to like, you know, this, um, I, I think the theoretical that, that you proposed earlier about like the playing fun equals playing more hands, but most mm-hmm. likely losing. Um, and then another player that values winning. So they're playing fewer hands and, and winning. Right. I, I think like, um, and I just totally lost my train of thought. Help me out, Duncan. See, this yes, is the, the yes. lack of sleep. No, I'm exactly in the same. So, like, you can't expect too much help from me. But, uh, like, yes, again. So, so what I'm, what I'm, you said it depends, right? I mean, uh, it depends on what kind of data you have. The question. Oh, was, yes, 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 yes. Mm-hmm. I got it. I got it. So, like, you can say outside of the fact that I want to have fun and play mm-hmm. more hands and most likely lose, right? And mm-hmm. that's in one state of emotional being. And then the other state of emotional being is being in the arena and feeling your emotions as you're losing and recognizing like this feels worse than I thought it would when Mm -hmm. I was in a peaceful state of mind, right? So like, I think when it comes to emotional impact of how a session is going, um, that is going to be rooted in subjective experience. So relating how I've dealt with my own emotions in this situation, things that I have tried that have been helpful, um, and then problem solving through just personal experience. Uh, Whereas when it relates to poker strategy, um, in most cases, I revert to data when it's available um, to give feedback and can kind of show like, you know, you want to do this, this is like the expectation of what you're doing based on 300 hands that were played in this exact situation. And, you know, it's losing two big blinds every single time the, you know, somebody has taken this action in this exact situation. Right. So like we're looking to prove objectively whether like a decision is positive or negative, in which case I, I do whatever I can to use data to illustrate that. Um, and in the lack of, data for instance like if there's just not enough to know one way or the other objectively then it's basically a a piecemeal type thing of problem solving and taking general principles that Mm -hmm. i know against a specific profile and specific situations um, and then connecting them and doing the best that i can to problem solve and relay that information so but i think in both situations, I'm doing whatever I can to pull from objective data and information that that I know in order to to relay. That, that's a beautiful answer. And let me see if I can actually articulate it. Uh, I think what you um, what I'm hearing is that uh, you want to use your the data as the base drive for the actions, and when that data is missing, you try to create as accurate proxies as you can. From whatever it is available, whether it's like population tendencies, whether it's like personal experience, whatever you have, you're trying to find like a, a, a good, a good, a, a good proxy. Incidentally, that's how reasonable statistical analysis works, right? I mean, these are the principles exactly like how statisticians will try to uh, what we call generalize out of sample by just looking at a specific sample. And and what's interesting also in statistics is that they can measure that how well they can generalize. And sometimes statisticians forget to do that and you know or people who read papers forget to take that into account uh one question that i had and it's going to be um i'm going to i'm having a little bit trouble articulating it but uh, one question that i had is would you incorporate in the data the actual person who is involved what do i mean by that like i have for example some students who say duncan you know what i can't do math 
And whether they can or cannot do, some people have this mental block that they don't allow them to go in a, in a certain path, which I usually take that into account. So if you have somebody, for example, like let's say if the data tells you that the person has to make some mental arithmetic in their head in order to decide which decision to do, like let's say a minimum defense or something like that. So they have to make a, a quick minimum defense or like to decide a specific um, a specific sizing or, 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 or something along those lines. Uh, but that person is not very good with, with, uh, with numbers and they don't want to do these calculations. Uh, would you incorporate that as extra data because we're talking about that specific person with those limitations? Or would you say that that's irrelevant? You know, uh, this is something that you need to do. Just learn how to do it. The second. Okay. Uh, this is something you, you need to do and you have to learn how to do it. And if See. said student is unwilling, then they're not a good fit for right. my coaching methodology. And oh, so like, it just wouldn't sense. be, wouldn't be a, a good situation. Right. And oh, no, if, absolutely. if they were open to learning, um, then it would be just creating some kind of system that they're going to train on a regular basis with doing this mental math, which I think is not exceptionally difficult. Uh, I think that oh, mo most people can, can't handle it if they so choose, if they're unwilling, they don't want to, they hate the math. Well, that's bad news because poker is a game that's kind of rooted in math. Uh, absolutely. I mean, as someone who's been trained to do math all of his life, I actually, surprisingly, I'm very uh, empathetic to people who cannot uh, who cannot do math. Like, I I, I don't know why, but uh, it's for me, it's uh, like, you know, I wouldn't even say, you know, the math is easy or anything like that. If somebody tells me that something is, is, is not easy, I sort of like uh, take it, uh, uh, take it axiomatically. But if you said something which is, very interesting here, which I think makes your your coaching uh, as successful as it is. You, you it, it sounds to me uh, from what you're describing that there is a specific a specific methodology which you know it works. You've seen it work in a lot of people, but uh, at at the same time, uh, specific screening is necessary in the sense that uh, specific um, um, work ethic or specific traits are needed or anything you anything you want to call it i don't want to again i don't want to put words in your mouth but this is i'm telling you how i'm translating what sure. i'm hearing no, no, no. Yes, you're, yes you're on point okay uh and and uh and and that specific thing you know has a certain what i would call locality what do i mean by that specific th those specific people with those specific traits which are actually not as narrow as one may think because again so many people have been successful but uh, unless somebody is, you know, willing to put the work in and, and follow these steps, so unless that, that that person is willing to fall within that uh, that local domain, um, you know, they're likely not not going to be a good fit. In other words, what I'm trying to say is that uh, your approach sounds to me more than a wide subjective approach, as opposed to like an objective approach that will work on 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 anybody. Yeah, Which, I, I think that's 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 fair to say, and you know there there is some qualification with the people that that right. I do do work with because like I just I've thought about coaching a lot. I've thought about every right. you know communication teaching. I've had lots of experience at this stage of my life, and so I know um, when it's going to be a good situation and when it's going to be a bad situation. Um, right. and, and to be fair, like to go back to the you know the topic of today's episode of if mm -hmm. I can do it, then you you can do it. I I would say that like. That would have been my next question. Yeah, I mean, I would say that these things are not impossible mm -hmm. for human beings. 
Like I, I think that most adult human beings can do mental math and can calculate pot odds and they can mm-hmm. be trained to do so if they're open to doing it. And I think that that's the key piece here is if they say, I hate doing it and I'm not open to learning, then, well, that, that's not going to work. And I, I, again, as someone who spent his entire life trying to think about those ideas and also try to transfer to people, uh, when somebody tells me, you know, I can't do math, it usually goes from one ear and goes to the next because I really don't know if they can or cannot do math. Like there's some people who well, they believe uh, they can't. Right. Like, exactly. What does and, that mean? Right. Exactly. What What does that right, exactly? But uh, but there is, however, one philosophical, I guess we can call even call it epistemic issue here, and it, it, it's more. I would say philosophical issue. Let's not uh, use big words when they are necessary. Uh, There's a philosophical issue. And that philosophical issue is uh, there is always going to be a level, whether it is, you know, personal um, incompetence on a specific, specific skill or personal unwillingness or personal, there is always a potential roadblock that cannot be overcome. So like one can say, for what do I mean by that? One can say, let me be a specific example. One can say, listen, uh, it's not that you're not good at math. It's that you don't want to put the work, right? Perhaps. And that could be true. But if that person is not willing to put the work, for me, this is as good as if they're incapable of actually improving in math. Because if they have like a mental block in in their minds to tell them, you know, you can't do that, to me, that's equivalent from a practical standpoint, right? It's like philosophically speaking, it doesn't matter if we say, well, yeah. theoretically, if you could allow yourself to do that, but if that person is incapable of allowing themselves, and then you can say, well, Duncan, nobody's incapable of allowing. Okay, then we go to a, a lower level, but then there's always going to be a level that, you know, a person may not be able to succeed unless we 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 assume, and that, that that's what basically my next question, unless we assume that everybody is capable of everything. Mm-hmm. Do we assume that, like, do we assume that everybody's capable of everything? I mean, I I don't, you know. Okay, I, I don't assume either. So I, I don't think that, you know, I'm, well, like, I, I don't think I'm going to be able to win a, a gold medal in right. swimming, for instance, right? No matter how hard I train at, it, it, it's just not going to happen. Um, I'm not going to win a, you know, a sprinting world record. I'm not going to break right. records um, just because of my biology. Right. Um, and to, to go back a little bit, I would say that right. when it, when it comes to like coaching someone, when it comes mm-hmm. to them wanting to learn how to play poker better, but mm-hmm. being resistant to the math side, mm-hmm. I would really challenge them mm-hmm. and really ask them about their values and what their goals are in this space. What do they hope to accomplish? Where do they hope to be? Mm-hmm. Right. And then, you know, point them in the direction that like, if, their goal is to be a winning player. If their goal is to like move up stakes, if their goal, you know, is to basically be a, a high achiever in the poker space, then being unwilling to learn pot odds is it's not congruent with their goal. And so mm-hmm. with, if they don't, you know, if they stick to that agreement, they're not going to meet their goal. And so maybe they should spend their energy in some other direction that is not poker related just because it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. When you're trying to make it in this game without using, you know, the thing that matters more than anything, which is math. Uh, no, absolutely. And it's or or at the very least, maybe, you know, uh, they're not compatible 
with with a, that specific method that you're describing. Maybe there is somewhere a different method, you know, that yeah. uses like poker just the witch to feel. Doctor. Yeah, the witch doctor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> go, go, go to the witch doctor, and maybe <laughs> the witch, witch, witch doctor, doctor can can give give you all the answers. And like maybe, yeah, maybe it's just me. Like maybe I, I, right. I'm not able to reach that person. I'm not able to communicate and effectively help them move up stakes and be their best self in the poker space. I would, I'm open to the possibility that, you know, the, you know, I said it in jest, you know, the witch doctor, mm -hmm. but maybe there is a witch doctor out there that has some kind of solutions and methodology for the non-math inclined that can help turn a winning player into a, a losing player into a winning player and help them achieve their goals. It's just that human being is not me. Exactly. And I think, I think there's absolutely, uh, there's absolutely nothing, uh, nothing wrong with that. And, and as a matter of fact, you know, uh, any any person who is putting specific restrictions right off the bat, they're going to have fewer options, right? So whatever that that witch doctor, whether it exists or not, is going to do, again, they're going to be more restricted uh, in the information that they can transfer because their student, their pupil, is actually putting roadblocks in in, in that in that learning. So, sure. um, so. Um, to to go back to the to to the, I guess the main question, which we can phrase it now, as it relates to the things that we just said, um, you said earlier, uh, I believe that there are some limits in biology, to which, by the way, I agree, I agree hundred uh, percent, and not everybody agrees on that. By the way, this is a very contentious uh, subject. We're not going to go into it, but it, it it turns out we we agree on that. And 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 to explain why not everybody agrees with that is, uh, I had a comment recently uh, on on Twitter. A very good comment, actually, which deserves some thought. The idea that uh, who knows, you know, maybe if everybody put the same time and practice uh, into what Michael Jordan did, you know, maybe other people would be able to be Michael Jordan. Maybe everybody would be able uh, to to be to be Michael Jordan. And uh, and before we you know we strom on a an argument like that, um, I should I should point out it is incredibly difficult to follow a thought experiment like that. Because it would require that somebody put, you know, the forty thousand hours worth of work, and we cannot even begin to imagine how the outcome it would be like. We can still speculate based on based on some evidence that we have, partial evidence. But I just want to point out that the question is harder than than, than it sounds. Yeah, and it would have to be you, like not only is it forty thousand hours, it would have to be an analog to how Michael Jordan trained on a daily basis. So they, they would have to train exactly the way that he trained on it on a daily basis for those 40,000 hours. So it's not just a matter of like training for 40,000 randomly. It's, it's doing the exact same things that he did, which is, yeah, I mean, good luck, exactly. good luck good. for proving or disproving that. Good luck. But, but here we are in the world of philosophy, which by the way, philosophy is the subject of speculation on mm -hmm. all the subjects that cannot fall under any category. They don't fall under biology, science, uh, history, whatever you're going to call. So let's speculate according to whatever evidence we, we have or we think we have. So what do you think? Like, do you think uh, if Michael Jordan can do it, uh, you, the royal you, can do it uh, under the right circumstances? Yes or no? Or, and why? I mean, I don't know. Is you don't the, know. Okay. The honest answer is I, I have me, me no, neither, I, no idea. I, if you were I, to speculate, what would you to say? To speculate, I would say no. Um, but again, I, I think it's, it's it's just that, right? It's just speculation. Mm -hmm. But I, I would say that like the, the problem to me comes into the competitive nature of that specific space. Mm -hmm. And when, when I said, you know, biology will relate it to 
like winning a, an Olympic gold medal in rowing, right? Mm-hmm. Like my, my friend Adam Creek, right? Like I'm five foot 10. I don't have that build as a human. Um, and there are other human beings who are investing their entire life training with world-class mm-hmm. coaches on a daily basis. So if I'm competing against them and I'm training with the same world-class coaches and I have the same resources and I'm putting in the same amount of hours, well, the tiebreaker is going to be my biology. Mm-hmm. They're six foot six and right. giants and I'm five foot 10 and not a giant, right? Like, right. so it's going to be really hard for me to, to compete in that space. Um, so like just gut instinct is that no, like in a highly competitive space, but biology will be a tiebreaker. Like biology will pave the way to one person having success or another person not having success. You know, I, I've known, um, you know, I have lots of friends who who are not athletically inclined Mm -hmm. and I I think that (laughs) if if they were to, um, one of them is here. (laughs) Right. Like they could get to a high level for their biology and for them, they could, they could get to world champion of themselves, Right. but world champion of themselves, you know, maybe just good enough to make it as a, you know, reserve on a local rec flag football team. Right. Like, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, uh, so to me, like not everybody's potential in every single area is the same. I'm, pretty confident in that, but I guess I wouldn't say a hundred percent confident because again, it's impossible to prove. That's right. Exactly. That's, that's meta humility talking. I mean, we can never be hundred percent about anything. Uh, we can even be hundred percent about not being able to be hundred percent on anything anyway. So, uh, but here is, uh, I guess the philosopher, right? the, I would speculate that this is what Socrates would ask, right? So Socrates would come and ask, okay, so, okay. So the, the biology may set a physical barrier to the comparison with uh, uh, with Adam, right? So uh, what if we change, again, this is a thought experiment, we change sure. the biology to match that of Adam's, like, would you now be able to reach to the, to the you know, uh, the same levels as, as, he, as he did? With the same training, with the, the same, same coaches, then I would say that yes. Yes, right. And if, it's, it, if it were level, if the biology was the same. Right, exactly. But then the interesting part is that, you know, of course, somebody could still ask the same question. I mean, yes, if I had the same drive, if I had like the same environment also, because, like you know, the, the parents can be uh, sometimes detrimental or very helpful, like a good family environment in, in, in a certain goal. mental I mean, makeup. Like... The same mental makeup. But then the, the interesting part is that at, at what point you stop in this thought experiment, of course, at what point in this th- thought experiment, you stop being Brad and you actually turn into Adam? Right, right. Like it's like the ship of Theseus, right? It's the ship like, of Theseus, because like I mean, at, and, and I'm not even worried about you know what is the exact point, but I mean, like if we change everything, like you know, if you have the same family that Michael Jordan had, for example, if you had the same environment, the same drive, I mean, at what point you you know you're no longer that, it's you not a then, lock, right? I, right. I think it's, it's still it's, exactly. it's still not not even a lock. It's still right. like would the capability be there? Would the capability yeah, be there? Right. The capability would be there. However who knows like of course. as it relates to all the mental stuff so yeah i think you would have to keep going like a step further and a step further and life life circumstances family proximity to right. whatever it is that you're endeavoring to do um you're not getting not getting hit by a lightning sorry sorry yeah yeah 
no, no, your socioeconomic class, right? Like we, we mentioned rowing. Well, what if you're born in a place where there's no lake, there's no rowing, there's no facilities, your family is, um, on, on the low end where they can't afford it. They, they, and they especially can't afford training. You know, like, I think there are just a lot of these outside variables that make it just really difficult to replicate anything. Absolutely. No, I, I would agree with that. So, so speculatively speaking, if we were to give an answer, uh, which can never be a 100% answer, if I can do it, you can do it. Is this true? Generally speaking, is it mostly true or is it mostly false? Mm. Hmm. Mostly true or mostly false. So I'm right. hesitating, which okay. uh, means that probably in my brain, I think it's, it's a close call. Okay. I, I would tend to say mostly true because it depends on the scale of what you're attempting to achieve. You That's know, a very good point. It depends can, on what you do, right? Right, right. Like yes. if it's if it's uh you know because I can wake up and pour myself breakfast and put milk right. in a bowl and eat it. Very I good think point. you you can too. So it so it depends on like the complexity of the thing, and the thing that you're endeavoring to do itself. Lovely. And in general, I would say yeah, it's probably true. Probably true. This is lovely because uh, usually the the context in which people are are using it is usually for difficult things, right? I mean, somebody wouldn't, you know, they would say, "This is, I know this is incredibly difficult, but if I can do it, sure. you can do it. So do you, like, let, let's see, let, let, let's rephrase the question because you, you made an, an excellent point. Do you think there is a correlation between the complexity and the truth value of that statement? And do you think that correlation is positive or negative? In other words, as the subject gets more complex, do you believe the, the answer leans towards one or the other direction yeah or i would say as it gets more complex and as difficulty ramps up and as physical attributes or specific physical attributes are needed then it shifts towards no yeah, i can do it useful. you you probably can't i would imagine yeah. now i would i would agree with that and i think i think this is a a, a very good point for for several reasons right because it shows that as human beings, again, things are not black and white, right? It shows that as human beings, we have commonalities. Like you said, most people can actually make a breakfast for themselves. Like most people, you know, can drink, you know, a certain amount of water in the morning. Most people can can do X, can do Y, can do a lot of a, a, a lot sure. of things. But as the subject gets more complex, then of course, by definition, I mean the reason why it's complex is because fewer and fewer people are doing it. So the evidence suggests that fewer and fewer people can can do it, and that is 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 actually important. And that leads to two questions, I guess. One question would be, how can one uh, use that uh, specifically in poker? And there is a, another question we can address afterwards. So how can the listener, uh, with all of the options out there, all the options of coaches? all the options of experts, all the options of, of, of poker opinions on a various and variety of subjects that the, uh, both the listener and the person who makes the claim may or may not be um, an expert at, and then those subjects vary in complexity. How do they respond to all of that uh, to, to, to optimize the results? I mean, well, it's hard. Mm -hmm. Especially, it's hard discerning and navigating a world where you're not an expert that that is complex and trying to figure out which path 
kind of resonates with you. Mm-hmm. Um, so for like tactically, what I, what I would think one would do is to test different things and find the thing that resonates with you. Um, look at social proof to see if there are people who are similar to you that have given feedback about a specific thing and it's helped them. Um, and, and then just go into that path as hard as you can, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and if it doesn't fit and you've really given it a go, then try something else mm-hmm. um, and just basically find the, the path that works for you would be my approach to undertaking a, a, a complex activity where there's lots of information and it's hard to really know which one is going to work for you. Absolutely. And, uh, and to, to add to that, uh, one heuristic perhaps that uh, pe- people can try. And once again, I mean, they, we're getting into the extremely subjective territory for a reason here. But um, w- one of the reasons personally I like reading, uh, it's not because necessarily uh, I-, I believe that the the author is going to give me an answer to a, a question that, uh, you know, uh, I've been striving to get an answer for, even though I have like a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of questions, even if the author uh, says at the beginning of the book, I'm going to answer that question. It's not so much that I believe they're going to give the answer because uh, what they have to say may or may not apply to me. However, books like that, that usually have done the due diligence, even on the subjective uh, N equals one, the subjective uh, element of the author who looked very deeply and concretely into themselves and they analyzed the data as they saw them and they made some conclusions and hopefully uh, they came from a good place. So we're assuming that uh, uh, at least they, they meant well. This book is valuable because it may explore areas that we otherwise were either unaware of, we didn't think about, or we didn't think they could matter as much. So in other words, if there is a very, like we talk about David Goggins, David Goggins in a previous podcast, right? David Goggins is not to me, important because, you know, everybody can be as fit and as crazy as he is. He is important because he experimented so much with so many different things that we can actually look at a ray of experimentation that we either didn't think about or we didn't think it was possible even and try it and see to a lesser or greater extent, depending on whether where everybody is in their fitness level and see what how much of that can actually apply Absolutely. To, to us. Yeah, so, I, so I, I agree. Hundred percent. That a lot of doors in life that you could go through, it's hard to see them until somebody else shows you, and then it's like, oh, that makes so much sense. I I can't believe I didn't think of it that way. Um, But yeah, having just uh, exposure to these doors that you may not have seen otherwise is just exceptionally valuable. Absolutely, and and I would just add the word "me." That makes so much sense to me, you know, which is sort of implicit, right? I mean, but you know, you know, you know, I'm picky with those things, right? Because again, I do think. That you know something making sense to me might not make sense to other people, but that's that's okay. You know that's not necessarily uh, that's not necessarily an issue. Um, and uh, uh, I guess the the other question that uh, I left for the for the the very end is, um, if we assume, and again we're speculating, but if we assume that as the complexity increases, uh, the probability of generalizing out of sample is being reduced, meaning as the subject gets more and more complex, the the chances of failure increase, which we see that, for example, with businesses, you know, like the more complicated the business, the lower the chances increase, which means that in a vacuum, if you were to bet with no prior knowledge, you should bet against them. But uh, how do we deal with that? 
the chance of really high percentage of failure and the fact that in order to succeed on anything, we have to try. In other words, how do we bridge the conundrum for really difficult things that, you know, if we were a betting man, and we are, we would bet against it, and yet we cannot succeed if we don't try. You see the, the seeming paradox or contradiction that I'm trying to... Sure. Yes. Sure. Um, so I can only speak from my personal experience, but mm -hmm. in the coaching and training space in poker, I look at my job as being someone that can look at a very complex problem. In most cases, it hurts my brain. And when I try to solve it, I get overwhelmed and have to go like take a nap because I'm just filled with anxiety and dread. Um, and translating that information in such a way that is sim sim more simple to understand, more simple to execute um, in practice. So basically being the translator from this super complex system and then it funnels through me where I do my best to simplify, um, communicate effectively so that most people can learn it, right? Mm -hmm. it, it becomes like, it's it, basically I'm like the complexity reducer right. um, in this process. Um, and, and then giving that basically to, you know, the wolves, private coaching students, consumers, et, et cetera. That, that's sort of like how I, I think of that that whole conundrum is like, my job is basically the translator for people um, breaking down a, a very complex issue into something that is simple and actionable. I, I, I love it. So, so, what, so one, one attack to that problem is that a lot of the complexity uh, might be due to the lost in translation. Like a lot of that complexity perhaps can be reduced because some people took the effort and the time to think these things through, to spend their lives around it. And of course, I'm thinking of, 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 of you, Brad, right? I mean, the, the obsession, the healthy obsession with, with, this, with this game. And all of that can create what some people may consider as shortcuts. Actually, I think shortcuts is a very bad word. Uh, like it, it really underestimates how much more it is. It's not shortcuts. It's just all this hard work that can actually, it's, uh, I can give a metaphor, uh, uh, um, Picasso's paintings, right? So Picasso had to draw millions of, I'm exaggerating, but he had to draw hundreds of, of, of paintings in order to be able to draw and then remove stuff from those each time in order to create like a more abstract version of those paintings where he, he kept on removing items upon items upon items. And in the end, he created some things that some people think they're masterpieces. But the point is, in order to be able to remove a, elements from a painting and then tell to the person, these are the bare minimum, these are the important stuff, you have to spend a lifetime thinking about it. So they're not shortcuts. Right? The shortcuts will be diminishing how much more powerful they are. It is the understanding of the important ideas and throwing away the fluff, right? So this is like a simplification. Yeah, and is and, that a fair assessment? Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's totally fair. And I would say that there's a few things that kind of happen with the general public as it relates to this sort of methodology. Is I think there's a lot of pushback, especially mm -hmm. like when you're simplifying a complex thing. Oh, you don't have pe to tell people. Me. People push back. Um, is even very experienced people who right. have spent their lives playing like specifically this game um, will push back. I mean, if you right. follow Nick Howard on Twitter, like every time he posts something, there are many people that are saying that he is a snake oil salesman and it's a <laughs> yeah. marketing company, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, when I, when I read those comments after his tweets, which, which 
I will give Nick this. Like he, he's getting more polarized uh, as time goes on with, with his, <laughs> his Twitter game. He, he's he's getting more and more polarized, and people are getting, you know, having emotional react reactions to his polarized tweets, which I guess is is the point of mm-hmm. of the tweets themselves. But I just I think that in the beginning of my, my personal journey through the coaching space, I, I was seeking validation and felt that. You know, I felt nervous replying to somebody's hand history in my Slack channel, right? Like, what if, what if it's not right? What if I'm wrong? What if, mm-hmm. like, how, how do I like give the best information? And then like, so I was like very self-conscious um, and see, sought out val- validation from like the poker community at large. And what's interesting is like, as time's gone on and I've learned more and able to simplify things better and able to have tangible feedback that the methodology works, that we're making mm-hmm. progress. Um, I stopped caring and yeah. I stopped actually needing validation or even seeking out validation. And when somebody says something like on Twitter, um, like I posted uh, Coach Shoes Graph, which you know he won like 100K over like 130 something hands, 130K hands, uh, had a win rate of like 11 or 12 big blinds and like, you know, one of the comments is like, ah, oh, these Fugazi graphs, you can't prove it. Send it on, on a, from a platform where there's actual screen names, et cetera. Right. And like, there was a time where I would probably bear down and, and like engage in that. But now it's just like, I don't care. Don't believe me. Like I don't, don't, right. don't believe me as to how well the wolves are doing. Don't believe me as to like how, uh, the courses and things that, that I sell, um, are improving folks' win rate and helping them play this game better. I, I could, I could frankly care less. It doesn't matter because really, w- what I what I learned is the only validation that really matters to me is my own. And mm. when the data is validating what what I'm doing, I just kind of stop caring about everybody else. So, yeah, I think like it's a, yeah, it's it's an interesting thing like simplifying very complex things so that people can. Uh, consume them and that they're helpful to them. There, there's a lot of pushback. It, it, it goes back into the theme of this podcast, right? If I can do it, you know, can you do it? Well, there are lots of people that find their identity in this space. And right. because they can do it, they have this innate self-belief that other people can't do it. Um, and maybe that's true. Uh, by and Maybe that's true. Maybe it's not. But the, re- the reality is they're attacked when somebody tells them it's, we can simplify this and we can do this in a way that most people can win. We can train, we can teach, we can communicate. They're very threatened by even such a thought. And that thought causes them to lash out, um, which is, yeah, just an interesting, interesting thing I've observed. Very interesting thing. And, and now just to, to steal man, so to speak, like the, the naysayers, we can perhaps expect that there's going to be naysayers, not just because we expect there's always going to be the negative people. I'm talking about, again, I'm assuming I'm assuming some people who mean well, genuinely mean well. Sure. There can still be naysayers because, again, what um, works for Nick may not work for that other person. And then that other person who's actually being critical, um, again, assuming that they come from a, from a, from a good place, I'm, I'm giving the benefit of the doubt, uh, is because, again, that specific thing that Nick is talking about is never going to work for them ever because again they're approaching things from a perhaps from a from from a different standpoint who knows and or they think it's never going to work for them which is uh, uh, practically for all intents and purposes the same effectively the same yeah i would say 
practically the same in their own world, effectively different in that mm -hmm. they didn't try. So there's no actual information or data that is telling them that they can't do it, which sure. to, to me is quite a, quite an important distinction. Sure. Um, to to Again, that person, we're into, it feels it, the same, but I think to other people at large, it, it's quite different. Sure. I, I, with that, I agree. I agree hundred percent. Yeah. And, uh, uh, I, I guess we, we're still running into that philosophical problem that, you know, we're going to need to find out what, uh, again, what made them not try and are they even capable of trying? Because uh, if they're not capable of trying, then we reach the roadblock. And if we assume that, you know, uh, not everybody can do the same things, there's always going to be potentially something that someone cannot do. So in, in that sense, it doesn't, uh, but but you're, you're right in the sense that, you know, if you, it's different to say I tried and I failed versus I don't. I didn't even try. So even though you may have the same roadblock in a practical sense, it is at a different level, and that's visually uh, identifiable. Yeah, I I, I agree. Um, so, um, so okay. So I think uh, any 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 final any final thoughts on the on the on the subject. On, no, uh, no, I think okay. I think it's pretty well covered. You know, I, I do think that like there are trailblazers that do make things easier for folks over time. I think mm -hmm. that like the if I can do it, you can do it thing. I, you know, you, you mentioned like when you read a book, you see doors that you otherwise wouldn't have seen. Well, when you mm -hmm. train, when you learn, when you grow, um, you create systems and processes that other people can then use and build upon themselves. Uh, over time, which is, you know, like if you're training for, you know, training baseball in the thirties, well, you know, the players who train today, it, it's going to look quite different than mm -hmm. they trained in the thirties. But the, the reason why it's different is because they learned and they're standing on the shoulders of those experience, experiences and the, the giants who came before them that had to learn and iterate. So I think that over time, it's probably easier to get to like a Michael Jordan level, given the biology is somewhat similar and the training um, goes up, the knowledge, the information, the nutrition, uh, mental game, just all of the different components that contribute to such uh, a phenomenon. Um, so yeah, like I, I do think things get easier over time basically. Uh, but yeah, it's a lot of it in some cases, I think boils down to biology. In some cases, boils down to personal preference. In some cases, boils down to like whether or not you're just willing to feel uncomfortable mm -hmm. and live outside of your comfort zone. And lots of people aren't. And, and I mean, that's just going to hinder hinder their progress and make it to where like, yeah, you can't do that thing because you're not willing to challenge yourself. And uh, with uh, the the example that you just gave, uh, the idea that. Uh, as we progress as humanity, um, the uh, things become in some sense easier. To, in this day and age, it might be easier to train, right? I mean, technology advances. That's a very, very important point. And, and it also reminded me of the fact that uh, advice sort of gets better the more malleable it is, right? It's so much better to... Uh, uh, the advice uh, has a wider uh, spectrum of influence if somebody says it's typically a good thing to learn things versus you tell somebody it's typically a good thing to learn how to cook, right? Because learning is a malleable thing. You can learn a lot of different things. And depending on who you are, you may want to learn X versus Y. Where, similarly with training, right? I mean, you reminded me of this because, again, the, the, the advice that permeates throughout the years is the idea of work hard, right? I mean, to train. But 
when you train in the 50s, you're going to have access to different type of technology than, than today. So that advice actually changes by definition as we progress technologically, even though nobody needs to change the advice itself. It's yeah, malleable. You have to plug into the collective experience, knowledge, and learning of human humanity over time. You know, that's that's a gift that we all have access to. And with all that being said, you know, even if training is upgraded and information and knowledge is upgraded, like you still have to do the work, right? Absolutely. Like that's that's the uh, the fine print of excelling at a thing is you, you still have to like get out there and grind and exactly. do do the hard work and push past what you believe you're capable of. That's that's a prerequisite. It's not like strap on the the ab thingy majig and then you got six packs um, doing nothing while you're watching TV or whatever whatever the promise is. Or go to the grocery store to buy the six pack. Yeah, that's that's not a simple people. Yeah. I mean, so, maybe maybe one day somebody will come up with it, and you just go into a machine and you come out perfect. I I don't know, but until until that day arrives, I haven't seen I haven't seen that work. You, you still have to like go uh, experience a blood, sweat, and tears that build a mentally resilient human being. Um, there's no real substitute for that in in any endeavor that is challenging. I would agree with that. And, uh, and and speaking of, of hard work, where where people can find us? Like do all the hard work and uh... all the hard work, um, all the podcast places. You know, like, subscribe, comment, review. Yeah. Uh, greatnessvillage.com, Philosophical Friday channel. Hop in there, ask questions, give comments, um, and then why Alex beats Bobby at YouTube. That's on. exactly right. Yeah, Dunk, Duncan's YouTube channel, and then all the, the Twitter, Ask the Math Doctor, CBG Podcast, find us on all, all those platforms. And I should point out that, uh, uh, you know, Brad has uh, on his website, like listed all of the podcasts very nicely. So you can go and, and find them if you want to catch up or you see a topic that you're interested in. Um, so you can uh, go to Chasing Poker Greatness. And, uh, and similarly, we have them also on YouTube if you want to check out video but uh go to the village if you have any comments or yeah we did we, we had a whole whole website redesign over the last few months and putting everything together because uh one of my gifts is not um organization i'm more of like a get stuff done and then circle back to it um, i'm the kid that in school would show up on day one with all the dividers and everything just perfect <laughs> and you know, by the second month, I just had all my pages in my books and they were all crinkled and there was just no rhyme or reason to, to anything I fell apart. So not my strength in the world, but my, my guys, my team has put together the website quite well for Tactical Tuesday. I'm not sure if Philosophical Friday is organized and categorized as of yet on the website because it's, it's a very recent thing. But I checked. It was categorized very, very it? nicely. Yeah, nice. really. I, I mean, they're doing work. So yeah. see, I, I don't even know what's going on on my website. My, <laughs> my guys off, offloaded that responsibility to them, and they're they're kicking ass. So yeah. cool. Really. All right. That's all. That's all we have for this week's episode of Philosophical Friday, and that's it. Uh, we'll see. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Brad. Thanks for listening to Chasing Poker Greatness. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or on your favorite podcast app. Go to ChasingPokerGreatness.com to get the newsletter. Join the Greatness Village community 
book a coaching session, or dive into the latest data-driven poker courses. Follow the show on Twitter at CPG Podcast.